1: Slendy, Ayy, go. Slendy, Ayy. Hit it up the park. Hit it up
0: the park. Hit it with a strike. Hit it with a strike. From the national anthem, anthem. to the bottom of the night. i been. in. Slendy, Ayy, go. Slendy, Ayy, go. Slendy, Ayy, go. Slendy,
1: Ayy. A- you already know what's up. What's that? Another home run. But you know the job ain't done. Tip we hold that trophy up. Ayyy.
0: Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to episode 420 of the Talking For Hours podcast and YouTube show. Ben found with you here. It is June 29th, 2023. And things are at bottom. Things are at rock bottom. Uh, it can always get worse, so I don't want to say that this is like, this is the, the bottom. This is the most bottom, if that makes sense, that it's going to get all year long. This is the lowest point that it's going to get all year long. Because it definitely could get worse if they lose tomorrow, then there's another bottom. But right now, it's rock bottom for however long we are. Well, we're exactly halfway into this 2023 season. 81 games in, and this Padres team is nowhere near a postseason spot. 37-44, and 44, they have lost five games in a row. They lost the last two games of that national series. They lost the three games here against the Pittsburgh Pirates. And before the Pittsburgh Pirates series started, I tweeted out that morning, the Pirates are 1-12 in their last 13 games. Gotta hammer this team. And what happened? Felt more like the Pirates hammered the Padres. And the Padres kind of hammered themselves. With some of the mistakes they made, some of the things that happened in this series. So yeah, very disappointing series. Embarrassing. Yes, May Machado spoke to Kevin Ac yesterday, and we will get to that. He talked about how he feels embarrassed, and he thinks that this team is embarrassed for how this has went so far this year. And he is right about that. And this series was embarrassing as well. And if you have hope that this team is going to turn it around, I, I mean, bless you. Uh, please join the show. If you have hope, join the show. Click the link that is pinned up at the top of the chat and tell me why you still think that this team can is going to go be a postseason team. Because, and I, I am probably one of the more optimistic fans in this fan base. I try to keep things optimistic, but right now, I can't. Um, I cannot sit here and say that this team is going to turn it around, and this team is going to go be a postseason team. What have they shown consistently? What have they shown this year consistently that is going to show that is going to tell me, that's going to tell other Padres fans that yeah, there's signs. It's coming. It's coming. It's right around the corner. You don't see it yet, but it's right around the corner. They're going to go on a run, and they're a postseason team. What have we seen? There's been some good starting pitching, but then the offense not there, right? The bullpen's been good, then the offense isn't there. Or, you know, the bullpen isn't good, starting pitching's good, offense isn't as good as it needs to be. Well, bullpen still wasn't good, so there's a loss. Like Things have not clicked consistently this season, and it's just not made to be is what I feel right now. And it sucks to be saying that because, again, I'm one of the more optimistic fans, I feel like. At least, you know, those that have, um, you know, a platform that give their thoughts. I don't have a sports talk radio show or anything like that. But for those that do have something like that, they have a platform, whether it's YouTube or somewhere. I feel like I'm one of the more positive fans. And I'm like, it'll, you know, at the beginning of the year, I was saying, of course, it's early. They'll turn it around. Look at the talent. And then later in the year when it wasn't early, I was still saying, yeah, they'll turn it around. I still think that they can look at the talent. They're going to continue being like this the whole year. I just don't see that happening. But we're at the halfway point now. And the record is what you say you are when you're halfway through the season like this in baseball. 81 games in and this Padres team is 37 and 44. The Pittsburgh Pirates have a better record than the San Diego Padres do. The Miami Marlins have a better record than the San Diego Padres do. I would have laughed if you would have told me that in spring training that, yeah, those two teams, they're going to have a better record than the Padres. And the Padres, they're going to be not even close to a postseason spot halfway through the season. I would have been like, what? Are you kidding me? But that's where we sit right now. So, yeah, there's a lot to get into in these three games. I'll get to your comments, obviously. How are you feeling right now as a Padres fan? Do you think they'll turn it around? Or do you, you know, you just don't have faith anymore? Because, not because you're just a negative person, but because this team just isn't showing you things to make you believe, yeah, they'll turn it around. You know, starting pitching's been good, right? got some quality starts this series but the result is the result it's based on wins and losses and the bottom line is the Padres they lost all three of these games and there were games in this series that they could have won one of them was today and like I said in my post-game reaction they're just stepping all over themselves like they can't get out of their own way and it sucks to watch um I'm going to keep watching obviously, but it, it sucks to watch. You always, if they have a lead, it's like, yeah, great. Okay. Yep. Have a lead right now. But you have that thought. Maybe it's in the front of your head, some fans or the back of your head. Look at the inning. You look at the inning on that scoreboard and you're like, Oh, it's the third inning. There's a lot of time for them to F this one up. And what happens? They ended up effing this one up today. And so Before we get to the games, before I get to some people in the chat, I do want to admit that I was wrong. I was wrong about this team. I was wrong with my statement that I said the other day, June 25th. I I wrote on social media, the Padres don't care and have no fight narrative is so stupid. And that's what I thought. Like right there, I was optimistic. Like you're saying that these guys don't care. They, They don't have fight. Really? And I, and what I will say is, yes, I was wrong. As a team, there are days, there are nights where you're watching this game and it's like, yeah, I don't see enough fight in this team. They don't have it. It's just not there. And then you're seeing Bob Melvin during this series come out post-game and talk about how the other team essentially had more spirit than the Padres did. Jake Cronenworth tells Kevin Acey before a game, yeah that national series, it just felt like we were flat. It just wasn't there. Manny Machado tells Kevin AC during this series, need more urgency, embarrassed by our play. Yeah, that leads me down that path of, yeah, this team needs more fight. Um, I think that – now, look, I want to be clear. The Padres don't care and have no fight narrative. I don't think it's – I don't think it's so stupid anymore. I still disagree if people think that all of them don't care, all of them don't have fight, because I'll tell you what, does Jake Cronenworth have fight? Yes. Go look at his comments. Does Ha Sung Kim have fight? Yes. Does Xander Xander Bogarts have fight? I would say yes. Does Jill Musgrove have fight? Yes. There are guys on this team that have that fight, that you can see it, and that they care. Jake Cronenworth saying, yeah, I care too much. Like, it's there for some guys, but collectively as a team, the, the way that they're playing, yeah. Those that said, yeah, they, they don't really have fight, doesn't look like they want it as much as we do, you're right right now. You're right. So, yeah, I was wrong about that. So, I, I admit it. Yep, there we go. I admit it. I was wrong. We'll see if they can turn it around, but as of now, you're right. You know, in this spot, I'd rather be wrong than be right about it. Right? I'd rather be wrong with me previously thinking, yeah, this team has fight. They, they, of course, they carry. Kidding me? I'd rather be wrong about it than think, or than rather be wrong about me saying, yeah, they don't have fight. They don't care, and then they go on this big run. You know, like that's just the optimistic fan in me. Like I'm, I, I want to. I want this team to have a lot of success. I want everything to happen and and be well. And but it's it's just not happening this year. And I'd be very surprised if this team ended up turning it around and making the postseason. Eighty seven wins. If they wanted to get to eighty seven wins this year, over the next eighty one games, because we're halfway through the season, over the next eighty one games, the Padres would need to go fifty and thirty one. What makes you believe that this team's going to go fifty and thirty one? In the next 81 games. I don't believe it. I don't see something. I see something like, you know, starting pitching has been good. There's some players that are doing well. But I'm talking about as the team, results-wise, how many games they're winning. How You know, what's the pace? What pace are they on? What are you seeing? What can you see that's going to make you think, yeah, they're going 50 and 31. They can do that. Or to reach next year, or excuse me, last year's win total. Go what 52 and 29, whatever that would be. Uh, what are you seeing there? That's like, we don't see anything, we don't see something there that's like, yeah, they'll turn it around, it's just not there, and it pains me to say, but it's just not there. Check out Gaglione Bros. Famous cheesesteaks and garlic fries on Friars Road. You can visit their website, gaglionbros.com, for their entire menu and enjoy their cheesesteaks and fries at Petco Park and Snapdragon Stadium as well. All right. Again, if you want to rant, give your thoughts here live on this show, you can click that link that is pinned up at the top of the chat. Um, if you want to make sure I get your comment, your question, you can use that super chat button. It supports the channel. Uh, so I definitely appreciate that. Reminder, use my code Talking Friars for $20 off your SeatGeek order. Don't know how many people are going to use that though, just being honest, because I don't know if you would as a Padre fan right now, you want to spend time going to the ballpark to watch this team play. But if you do greatly appreciated to use that, if you use that code talking friars uh, and then breaking San Diego sports swag, Aztecs, Padres wave. You can click that link in the description for that. All right, let's go through some of the chat here and then we'll get to the three games in the series. There's a lot to talk about. Obviously we'll talk about the crony quotes. We can talk about, um, the Manny quotes, obviously, and what happened the day before that. Him just saying, yeah, I don't have time. Um, And what this team should do. Sellers, buyers at the deadline. Who's going to go? We can talk about that. Iris says, we nearly got swept by the two worst teams in the league. This is rock bottom. And like I said at the beginning, it's rock bottom for now feels like always things can get worse you know the the new low point was after that nat series but then they lost 3 games in a row it's like after the first loss all right this is a new low point after the second one all right this is another rock bottom and then today don says it on the broadcast and obviously they have, they want to be pro padres but even he said it on the broadcast yeah this has to be bottom for the 2023 san diego padres Matt asks, has Josh Hader been placed in witness protection program? Yeah, is he ever going to pitch again? I understand that we haven't had a lead here. Like the Padres, they've lost six games in a row, so he hasn't had a save situation. But the Padres are at a point in time right now where who cares what inning Josh Hader pitches in a game? They have to get wins. Why is Josh Hader not pitching? He, he, He just refuses to go in games? in the seventh inning if they need to to get an out or they need to get three outs in an inning? You have to go to Luis Garcia today over Josh Hader, or you have to go to Tim Hill today over Josh Hader. I get it. It's not a save situation, but you got to win games. Worry about the eighth and the ninth inning when you get there. Hader didn't have an opportunity to save the game because it was gone before then. Like, that that kind of irritates me to be honest like why why is hater only reserved for the ninth inning I get the one inning stuff like I get it they they want to protect his arm he going into free and see right he it's probably smart for him to only pitch one inning but who cares what inning it is when you're a long ways away from a wild card spot you're about and I'm talking about in today's game while this game was going on, You're about to be six games under 500, and you don't even pitch him. You don't even pitch him. When was the last time this guy pitched? I put out the bullpen chart every day, and you look at the bullpen chart today, and there's no pitches on that chart for the last five days for Josh Hader. When is he going to pitch? Like, They're at a point now where it feels like all of these are must-win games because of how far back they are. Just put your best arm out there. Like tomorrow, if Josh Hader doesn't pitch, what are we doing here? Doesn't make sense. Uh, Jose Carlos says, lots of people are sold with the season being over and to go into seller mode at the deadline. What do you think? Yeah, we'll get to that here in a little bit. I I think that I can't blame Peter Seidler to want to go into sell mode. Because what has this team showed him? That's like, yeah, you should go buy. You should go get some more talent to surround these players. That'll do it. That'll that'll make them go twenty games over five hundred to, to finish this year. The last eighty one games of the year. You know, why? Hater and Snell, they're probably gonna walk. Why keep them? With the, look, they have a month. Okay, they have a month. August first is the trade deadline. If they start playing a lot better. Then Peter, you know, Preller, you know, he's still going to be there. They might say, Hey, okay, they're, they're playing. This is the real Padres. But they have not done that. They haven't done that this year. Go look at the monthly splits for this Padres team. What are their records in all of the months for this season? The first couple months of the season so far. If you look at the splits, the month of April, right? So, March, they went 0 2, right? They dropped the first two games of the year to the Rockies. And then in April, oh, okay. So, sorry, they did have a winning record in April. My bad. Only three games over 500, though. 15 and 12. And then the month of May, 10 and 16. Month of June, 12 and 13. So, for the last two months, they've had a losing record. That's a big sample size right there. It's not telling you that, yeah, a couple more pieces and this team's a World Series contender. No. The guys that are on this team right now, they're the guys that need to be playing better. If they don't play better, why try to keep doing this? Why dig yourself a deeper hole? And obviously, I we didn't think that we were going to say this, 81 games in the season, yeah, Padres should probably sell. But right now, that's the way I'm looking. Yeah, of course, Padres should probably sell. What's the point of continuing to go when this team's not a World Series team? continuing to go all in when this team's not a world series contender. They're not. The way they're playing, they're not. The good news for them is they do have a little bit of time. But what about this two-month stretch here that they they haven't been a good team. And all year obviously, they've not been a great team. Even with the winning record in the month of April, 15 and 12, that's not impressive. That's not 20 and 10 like some of us were envisioning this team to be. That's, you know, in some month this year. So, yeah, if you think this team should buy, why? They should go all in at at the deadline? Why? With the way this team's playing? Um, I'll get to the rest of the chat here, but I want to talk about these games in this series. So today, Padres, they lose 5-4. to They had a lead. It was a 4-2 lead in the seventh inning. Tim Hill's on the mound. Allows a couple runners. Runners on, I believe, second and third in the spot. And there's a ball that's hit down the line. Little nubber. Tim Hill runs over to it. And he is literally, like, standing on the line when he touches this ball. He touches the ball. Then turns around. There's no one standing at first base. And he throws it into right field. Throws it down the line. Two-run score. Tie game. Luis Garcia gives up the lead. And the Padres, they lose 5-4. Getting in their own way. like why are you even attempting to throw that ball right there? The runner has already passed you down the first baseline, so you know where the runner is. You pick up the ball. You're a lefty. You're not a righty where you can pick it up and just sling it over. You're a lefty. You have to pick it up, spin, and then throw. And this, some of it's on Crony here because I don't know why he was sprinting in to go get the ball and not even covering first base when it was clear Tim Hill was going to go get the ball. Why is he doing that? I don't know. But with Tim, he shouldn't have even thrown it. Why are you even throwing it there? Let the run score. Okay. But guess what? You still have a lead. You still have a, what, 4-3 lead at that point? But just dumb decisions. Dumb decisions. Why are you picking that up and throwing the ball to first? Just stepping all over themselves. Can't get out of their own way. And obviously today with the offense, Ofer with runners in scoring position, yeah, it was good to see Grish have the home run. Kim had a homer. They got out to a 4-0 lead. So it wasn't just like they had a 4-2 lead in this game. They had a 4-0 lead in this game, and they end up losing to the Pittsburgh Pirates, who are ahead of them in the standings now. Pirates 38-42, and 42, Padres 37-42. and 42. Another start wasted. Joe Musgrove had a quality start. He ends up going six innings today, two earned runs allowed, seven hits, walked only one guy, punched out six. You're welcome on the higher on the underdog fantasy pick him for today. But that start gets wasted. Blake Snell start yesterday. He pitches well, six innings, two runs. Same line there in terms of the innings and the earned runs. Walks a couple, three hits, punched out 10, double digit strikeouts for the fourth consecutive start, I think it ties Jake Peavy for a franchise record, gave up a home run, but he pitched well enough to keep that Padres team in that game. And that start gets wasted. And Tuesday, obviously, you know, Reese Kinnear was starting. Uh, I don't think I had high expectations going into that outing with Darvish out, but those are two starts right there. You put together those two starts back to back with Snell and Musgrove. Those are two games that it's like the starting pitchers are saying, here you go. I gave you the path to go win this game. I pitched my butt off. Quality start. There you go. Go score three runs for me. Keep a lead. How about that? Keep a lead. And they can't even do that. Can't even do that right now. I go back to the tweet that I had at the beginning of the series. Ha- Got to hammer this team 1-12 in 12 in their last 13 games. And the Padres are the team that end up getting hammered unbelievable it's not unbelievable i usually say unbelievable because i ju- i'm just at a loss for words but it is believable the way the team's playing right now it is believable it is and wednesday um melvin got ejected and i saw i did the breakdown yesterday last night bob melvin him getting ejected after the bunt call or the hit by pitch call on the attempted bunt and that loaded the bases. It's not a guarantee that Nick would have gotten out of the inning. Uh, he was allowing base runners before that, obviously. like It wasn't like it was a clean inning, and all of a sudden that unraveled there. And they got some tough breaks. Some balls weren't hit hard. Same when I think it was Garcia that came into the game. Some balls weren't hit hard. There was a ball down the line just out of the reach of Crony. A not hard hit ball to center. I think that was off Nick. Uh, like, Tatis almost got to that ball and right. Like, there was a lot of almost, a lot of bad breaks. But it was still a bad call by the home plate, um, just by the umpiring crew. And then the replay crew, or the replay crew, I think, because I read on the Padres Daily Newsletter from Kevin AC earlier this morning, I think the Padres were challenging there that the batter was hit by the pitch. And he was, so they lost the challenge. It was, I believe, the first base umpire said that the batter did not try to bunt there so i think that's on. i don't think that's on the replay review i think that's on the first base umpire but it was still a bad call like why can't review because it wasn't reviewed i guess is that why the review can't see hey uh this guy bunted that ball you know maybe change the call He, he he didn't try to get out of the way that wasn't a hit by pitch that was he, he was bunting, and he accidentally got hit because he was trying to bunt. So, yeah, I think that was a bad call. Padres got screwed there. They got screwed against the Giants. But by no means am I saying that the umpires cost the Padres the game. Where the umpires terrible, the home plate umpire especially? Yes. Go look at the ump scorecard card for today. It was like plus one and a half runs or something like that for the Pirates in that game. But I'm not saying that the umpires cost the Padres the game. At the end of the day, yesterday, the Padres' offense scored one run. One run. That's making your pitching staff be perfect because they can't give up any runs to win. So this offense is maddening, continues to be maddening. With runners in scoring position, they went two for seven. They left nine on base yesterday. 0 with runners in scoring position today. How many guys did they leave on base today? Let's see here. Eight. Left eight guys on base today. And they were okay with runners in scoring position uh, in the first game of this series. But the pitching obviously wasn't that great. And Soto and Tatis in the first game of the series combined to go 0 for 8 We'll get to the Manny and Crony stuff, but I just want to get through the games in this series. On Tuesday, they, so they lose 9-4. Darvish misses the start. Wilson placed on the 15-day IL, and you're coming off two straight losses to the Nats. That's not a good start to this series, right? Kinnear, like, that's that's the guy the Padres have to go to with the depth. Like, the lack of depth. That shows you right there. This is who the Padres are going to, Reese Kinnear. Why is Blake Snell – why did Blake Snell not pitch the first game of this series? Like Bob Melvin said, they're protecting the starters. It's not like he would have been pitching on two or three days rest for game one. He would have been pitching on regular rest, four days of rest. But instead, they keep him at five days rest. They keep Musgrove at five days rest. Those guys pitch well, but with the urgency needed, why was Snell not pitching that game? I don't understand that. Was that a Snell thing saying, I got free agency coming up? I'm in a groove. I'm staying. Where you had me, like the Padres, they had time to figure this out here. Darvish did not travel with the team on the trip. So, why are you having Reese Kinnear start this game? He's your best option. And so, I don't want to take this out on Reese Kinnear, but because I kind of expected that, like I was just hoping to get whatever they could out of him, but that just doesn't make sense. Why are you protecting players when? you're this far back in a postseason spot. I get it. It's halfway through the year. And Bob Melvin, the coaching staff, and the front office, they probably have to have this grand view on everything. But I'm sorry. When you're – I don't even know how many games they're they're back in the wild card. Like, let's just get over 500 first. But we know it's a lot. We know it's a lot in the division. Like, you're nowhere near a playoff spot right now. Why are you saying, yeah, no, we're protecting the arms. We're not going to pitch Josh Hader, like, at all in this series. He hasn't pitched in forever. Don't know if he's ever going to see a mound again. And we're going to go with Reese Kinnear to start this game. When we're already struggling, we probably need a better starter here. Let's win this game so it's not three games lost in a row. It's regular rest. It would have been regular rest to pitch him in game one and game two. Game one snow, game two Musgrove. Like, what's the problem there? I I just don't. That didn't make sense to me, but again, the story is the offense. Still, um, sure, offense scored four runs against the Pirates, but Padres they did have the tying run uh, on base in the sixth there in on Tuesday, and Grish grounded out to the pitcher to end that. And as I said in my post game reaction on Tuesday, five innings the Pirates had with multiple hits, stringing together hits. What a concept! The Padres offense had two innings that game just two with multiple hits like runners in scoring position stringing together rallies this team just doesn't do that consistently this year they don't do it and it's so frustrating you win the race series by the way if you remember if you're watching or listening to the show i said yeah runners in scoring position that issue it's not fixed after winning that race series they went like 5 for 25 but you still won it you lose the giant series Games you could have won there, but you have a great last game. You have a great first game in the Nats series, but then you're back down. And it's been down since then. So, yeah, they lost. What is it now? It's five in a row. Five in a row, six games under 500, right? Yeah. 37 and 43. It's, I'm seeing in the comments, it's a train wreck. Yeah, it's pretty much. For the expectations on this team, yeah, it's pretty much a train wreck right now. And again, if you believe that this team's gonna turn it around, please let me know why. Because I'm just not seeing it right now. I'm not seeing something to convince me, like, yeah, they're turning it around. All right. I'm gonna get to the chat here. Let's see what you guys think, and then I'll have a break and then get to the quotes from Manny from crony uh, that happened in this series. And then obviously trade possibilities. Can't believe we're talking about that 81 games into this season. Uh, Michael says, this is just embarrassing. Just a loss for words. Yes, Ben, you're positive about this team and reality is setting in. Yeah, it's, it is setting in. Um, I've tried to say, like I said earlier, it's early. They'll turn it around, but I can't keep saying that when the team's playing like this. And some people might want to be like, he's trying to get a credential, so that's why he's talking good about the Padres. No, I'm not. I'm not. I have to be part of a, a big news organization or radio organization to do that. So, no, I'm not. I'm just giving you my thoughts as a Padres fan, someone that wants this team to do well. I feel like some fans want this team to do bad. I want this team to do well. And so I've been trying to hang on and I've pretty much jumped off. What's the chance of them making the postseason right now? I put it at like 20, 15, 20% right now. And that's, that's generous. If you go ask someone like Jim Russell, he'd probably say, five percent or three percent or one percent you ask some people in the comments they'll probably say zero percent I'm not there but obviously if I put it at like 20 percent of this team making the postseason I don't know what Fangraphs has it at but if I put it there then that's telling that that's me telling you that I still don't think this team's making the postseason that's what that's what that is I'm still trying to hold out some hope, like I'll give you, I'm trying to be generous in the percentage given out of their chance, but that's really me just hoping that this offense turns it around and that teams ahead of them collapse. That, that's that's what has to happen. This team has to play ridiculously well to get to like 87 wins or 89 wins. What did I say? They have to go 50-31 and 31 to reach 87 wins this year, and I don't know if 87 wins is going to be good enough to be that final wildcard spot. They have to play so well. And we don't even know who's going to be on the team after the deadline. Are they going to be able to play that well if Blake Snell's not on this team, if Josh Hader's not on this team? You know, I, I just don't see it. I don't see it right now. So, yeah, my chance, my chances of this team making the postseason, I'm putting it at pretty low, 15 20%, some, somewhere around there. Not high. I'm, I'm not optimistic about this team's chances right now. Just it's why should I? Why should I be? Uh Brent says he never called anyone stupid. He said the no fight take is dumb, but that's not calling an individual stupid. Oh yeah. Um is someone saying no, no 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 hang on. JD's third saying I called viewers stupid. I'm saying what I said was I thought that their the take of that was stupid. I don't know. I'm not I'm not trying to call viewers stupid. You can have your own opinion. I'm not no, I love the audience. I love you know JD's third. I don't agree with you on some things. There's some things I don't I didn't agree earlier in the year with some, you know, on things like with Matt, but he's turning out right. Like I, I can agree to disagree. I'm not attacking a viewer. There are just sometimes I have disagreed with some people's opinions, and that's okay. You can disagree with my opinion. You can think my opinion's dumb. Um, that's all. Yeah, I'm I agree with Brent. I don't I don't recall calling someone stupid or calling someone dumb. The opinion maybe. So if I did ever do that, I definitely apologize for that. That's not what I'm trying to do. That's not that's not what I meant to do if I did do that. So I definitely apologize for that. Yeah, Raul says, it's a sad day when Ben is admitting that this team is bad. It is a sad day. They just got swept by the Pirates. They lost a series to the Nats. They lost a series to the Royals earlier this season. They're six games under 500. they They're nowhere near a postseason spot. Yeah, it's a sad day. Matt says, are you willing to admit you are wrong on the bet yet? That I am not because, I mean, it doesn't look good for me, for sure. But if they don't make the postseason, I can still win the bet. If they get over 500, I win the bet. That's what the bet was. Right, Matt? The bet was 50 bucks. I think the Padres will at least get back to over 500 at some point this season, and you don't. That's what it was. So I can still win it without them making the postseason. I don't think they're making the postseason as of now, but I I can still hold on that little hope that they'll be they can get to one game over five hundred at some point this year. Because that doesn't require them to go fifty and thirty one to get to eighty seven wins. You know, that doesn't require that. Uh, Matt says there's nothing to buy at the deadline. Sell Snell sooner than later. Yeah, we can get into that. I'll get into that. Um, because, yeah, there's nothing to buy. Like, there, we're still a month out, so I'm sure as the weeks go on, we'll hear more from insiders about what names are available, what names are being shopped, what teams are interested in these names. Uh, but right now, with this Padres roster, I'm not even looking at like guys – Oh, Padre should go out and get that guy. I'm not. I want our guys to do better. They need to start performing better to convince AJ, or maybe not convince AJ because he probably wants to go all in, convince Peter to approve AJ of going all in on this roster. They need to start being better themselves. Put it on them. If they don't start doing better, why go? Yeah, there's nothing to buy because buying something's not going to change it. Because the core of this team is already on this team. It's not like they'd add someone else, at least someone, not, I'm not thinking of anyone. They'd add. It's not like they're going to add someone that's going to be a core player on this team. The core is there. The core has to be better. They have to play better. Yeah, I'm seeing Snell. I'm seeing Kim in there. I'll talk about that uh, in a little bit. Again, if you want to make sure – there's a lot of comments in here, obviously. If you want to make sure I get to your comment or your question, click the uh, use that super chat button. Click the – I believe it's the dollar sign in the chat, and that will separate your comment, your question into a different category, and we can kind of shift the show in that direction if that's where you want it to go. Um, David says, on a good day, Snow goes six, burns up the bullpen. Six innings isn't burning up the bullpen, I don't think, is it? Six innings is, I mean, that's a pretty good start. The bullpen has to do, the bullpen has not been good as of late. And Tim Hill, why are you throwing that ball to first in that spot? And Nick Martinez, I love Nick. He has to be better. Feels like he's leaving a lot of balls over the middle of the plate. All right. I'll get to more of the chat here in a bit and I'll be back after this. I want to tell you about the best and easiest way to play fantasy sports. It's underdog fantasy. They have great pick'em games and best ball tournaments In pickup games. Just pick higher or lower on two to five players stats. And you can win up to 20 times your money in a single night. You can go cross team, cross league, and even cross sport. Best ball revolves around the draft, which is what every fan loves the most about fantasy, and it eliminates the hassle of having to manage your roster all season long, resulting in a fun and easy fantasy product. How does it work exactly? You enter a contest where you participate in a snake draft against other users. That lineup that you drafted competes against every other draft in the entire contest. The better the combined performance of your team, the more money you win. After your lineup is all played, Underdog will take the best performing players and automatically set them as your starting lineup. That's it. No waivers, no trades, no worrying about who to start or sit. After you complete your draft, your part is done. Underdog Fantasy offers best ball in a variety of ways, including daily contests, weekly contests, playoff contests, and season long contests. You can either enter into these and compete against thousands of other entrants for huge prizes. Or, if you'd like, you can enter into a private draft with friends and family to compete for a smaller prize pool. Underdog keeps it super simple with their easy-to-use website and mobile apps. Sign up now by clicking the link in the description or by using the promo code TALKINGFRIERS and you'll double your first deposit up to $100 in bonus cash when you make your first deposit of $10 or more. So, if you deposit $100, you get $100 free. If you deposit $10, you get $10 free. All right. I did want to get to the crony and Manny quotes from this series in Pittsburgh, but I did see some audio that just came up from 97 3, the fan, on Joe Musgrove, his evaluation of this Padres season, 81 games in. And he said it was horse ass. So, here we go. Please, please.
1: has I, I Yeah, horse I mean, you really got um, all around too and it's not, you know, we say it all the time and I know from the outside it looks like a bunch of overpaid guys not performing but uh, sometimes there's just no answer, you know, we're going through it right now and everyone sees it, you know, we feel it for sure, um, you know, but if you think this team's rolling over, you're, you know, sorely mistaken, you know, which, I mean, we're trying to find out what it is, we're switching up routines, um, you know, taking different approaches, having meetings, where we're talking about all these things and it's just, not going our way right now. And it feels like every loss that goes by just piles on and piles on and piles on. So um, we just, you know, we need to put a couple good games together here and give on a little bit of a run and start finding our identity. But um, there's plenty of fight left in this team. You know, we haven't played our best ball yet. And, uh, you know, we're damn sure not giving up yet. There you go.
0: So if you did not hear that, I did see someone in the chat. Maybe audio quality wasn't that great. And Joe did speak a little, he was speaking a little deep there uh saying horse s is how he's evaluating this season so far uh but you are mistaken if you think that this team is rolling over and that's where my 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 take was when I, I said the other day after the nat series that those that think this team doesn't care they have no fight i think that's so stupid is because of guys like joe like jake cronover like xander bogart it's like You think that these guys don't care? They don't have fight? Like, I think that's so stupid. But as a team, not just individual players, some individual players, but the results on the field, and then there's quotes from guys like Bob Melvin that's saying, and this isn't the first time that he said it, overall as a team, more spirit. Remember in Minnesota, Bob Melvin said, yeah, this team has to have more fight show a little more fight, like act like they wanted a little bit more, uh, just outworked. It feels like he said that multiple times this season already. So when that happens, Crony saying to Kevin AC before, I think it was either before or during this Pittsburgh series, yeah, felt like during the Washington series we were flat. Just isn't there. Wasn't there. You take those clues and it's like, yeah, okay. As a team, if they're saying it to the public, yeah, then this team doesn't have enough fight right now. But individual players, I still stand by it individually. Like some guys on this team, I think you're mistaken if you think that they don't care. Um, but yeah, overall, they, they need to show more urgency. They like Manny said, they need more fight. I agree. I agree with that. Um, so let's get to the Manny quote and the crony quote. So Manny, he spoke first off. So Manny after The first game of this series, the Padres, they lose 9-4 to in the first game of this series, right? And Kevin A.C., he's like the only beat writer in Pittsburgh. Dennis Lynn's not there for some reason. The local media is obviously not going to Pittsburgh for this. I guess A.J. Casimo wasn't there. Kevin said on the radio the other day he was the only beat writer there. And he asked Manny if he had time to talk. And Manny replied, I don't have time. And that was pretty much it. And when that happened there, that was a bad look. That, that pissed me off. Like, really? This team is playing really bad right now. You're supposed to be the captain of this team, the leader of this team? Sorry, dude. You're getting paid millions of dollars. It comes with the job. Go ask Derek Jeter. Go ask Aaron Judge. Go ask other leaders of big organizations that have World Series contending aspirations, right? Those superstar players. When things are bad, you still have to talk. You don't, you don't get to say, I don't have time, and you just leave. Like, no, you can't make excuses. You can't dodge media. Just say, just, you know, give Kevin something there, right? So I thought that was a bad look, especially when. One of his superstar teammates, Fernando Tatis Jr., had time to talk. So I don't know if he was literally going to the video room. It's like, yeah, I don't have time to talk. Or he had to get on a bus. I don't have time to talk. But according to Kevin, seems like Manny just walked right past him. I don't have time. That's a bad look. Now, I do applaud him for the next day coming out and taking accountability like he did before the national series about don't blame the hitting coaches. This isn't on the hitting coaches. This isn't on the manager. It's on us. He spoke to Kevin. He probably realized, yeah, that was not my best thing to do uh, on Tuesday night to say, I don't have time when I'm the captain of this team or supposed to be the leader. Yeah. the, The public, at least publicly, we viewed him as the captain of this team, right? The big contract, the second big contract, Peter Seidler's love of him. Um, captain, one of them, one of the leaders of the clubhouse, right, with Joe, wasn't the best look. So he was like, yeah, all right, I'll give you whatever you want, Kevin. The next day, and this was before yesterday's loss, before Wednesday's, or excuse me, yeah, before Wednesday's loss, which was 7-1, to he said, quote, we need a little more urgency as a team. We just do, end quote. And I'll get to the other one. But first one there, really? Why? Like, that's embarrassing right there to say you need more urgency you're halfway through the season essentially at that point in time that he was talking there and you're just realizing now yeah we need a little more urgency as a team shouldn't the urgency have started once you got below 500 or once you got close to 500 once it got a couple seasons a couple of months into the season that's when the urgency should have started shouldn't have been relaxed like yeah 2020 Two, we, you know, prove that, yeah, okay, we beat the Dodgers. We're one of the best teams in, in baseball. Look at us going into the year. Look at Fan Fest Things will turn around. And that's what Manny and some people in the clubhouse, like they've admitted thinking, like, yeah, things will turn around. Manny says, yeah, I'm embarrassed how I've been playing. I think we're all embarrassed. We know how good of a team that we are, and we're not living up to that standard. That's why I'm telling you the urgency And the want is what's going to separate us. I think it's there in everyone. We just got to find it. And when we do, let's not let go of it. Again, having to find that, really? You need to find the urgency? It takes you to get five, six games under 500 to get urgency? I mean, come on. That should not happen. When you're getting paid millions of dollars and you say your goal is to go win the World Series, you shouldn't have to wait until then to have that urgency. Now I will credit him like props to talking to Kevin realizing he made a mistake the day before the night before and admitting, yeah, I'm embarrassed for how I've played. And I think as a team, we're all embarrassed. We need more urgency. You know, I credit him for being accountable like that. Like he was accountable before that national series to the media in San Diego about it's on the players. It's not on the coaches. It's, you know, they, they work their butt off. It's not on them. They give us all we need. Like I like that. That's captain stuff. But why not just say that after the game? Why have Kevin? Why force Kevin essentially to write? Yeah, I don't have time. Because that's what happens. Kevin's the only guy there, and you tell him I don't have time. He's gonna write that. For full context of what is happening in that clubhouse. Full context of the whole situation. So why don't why don't you say? After the game, instead of saying, I don't have time, saying, yeah, need to be better. I'm embarrassed for how I played this year. As a team, I think we're all embarrassed. The urgency needs to be better. It needs to happen. And we need to keep the urgency. Why couldn't you have said that after game one of this series? After not talking after the Nationals series loss on Sunday, you don't talk again. Like, I'm not expecting him to talk every day. But it created something that didn't have to be created, right? Derek Jeter, Aaron Judge, guys like that. Would they have created that in the press? No, they would have spoken and not said, I don't have time. They would have spoken instead of making a story out of it for a full day before you speak, and that gets published, you know? So it's like it didn't need to be that. So look, It might sound like I'm pissed off at Manny. I'm not pissed off at Manny anymore. Like, I like the accountability. I just don't think that he should have said I don't have time. That's not a good look. I get he's a human being. I'm not asking him to to speak every day to the media. I think that he shouldn't have to speak every day to the media. That's the manager. But when there's one reporter there and the team's playing bad, you're the captain. He didn't speak on Sunday. Don't say I don't have time. I think that's a bad look. And then there was the Jake Cronenworth quotes. Let's see here. Um, this was before, I think the second game of this series. He was talking to Kevin AC about how hard he has been on himself. And this kind of backs up my, my point about, yeah, I, I don't think that um, I don't think that the whole team doesn't care. I don't think that the whole team has no fight. Like, if there's someone that cares, cares too much. Joe Musgrove's in that category. I think that, well, maybe not cares too much. I think you should care a lot. But Crony, Crony's in that category of guys that care a lot about this team and about their play. And they get pissed off when they're not performing well. Probably throw Xander in that, right? And... Crony, he spoke to Kevin. Sorry, I was losing my train of thought. Kevin, uh, again, he was the only reporter there. And here is what Crony said. It frustrates me even more when I don't succeed because it's not just a commitment to the team. It's a commitment to the fan base and my teammates. When I'm not giving us a chance to win and helping our team, it hurts even more. I mean, I've always been hard on myself. No matter what point I've been... What no matter what point I've I've been in my career, I think is what was supposed to be said here. This year specifically, maybe a little more. I don't know if it's a bad thing, but I care more. Maybe too much to an extent. I'm probably too hard on myself. And you're definitely seeing crony press. You you are seeing that, um, and it's it, it sucks. You know, crony's my favorite player. Him and Musgrove. Seeing those guys bogeys up there too. Uh, seeing those guys struggle. It sucks because you know how much they care. And I'm not talking, I'm talking about Musgrove like earlier in the year, whenever he does struggle. Uh, But crony this year, like pretty much the whole year, seeing him struggle like this, and and visibly you see it on the field. He's usually you feel like he's holding in stuff, at least in past years, but this year it doesn't feel like that. You see when he's pissed off, he's cut, he's cussing and he's visibly frustrated with himself. And there's sometimes where he hits the ball hard and it goes right to someone. And, and, and he's probably just thinking like, of course, nothing's going right for me. So, yeah, he's hard on himself, but this shows like he cares. I'd rather you be too hard on yourself than you not care, obviously, right? I think we can all agree on that. And his numbers are down, obviously. But I like seeing this from players. These quotes, it doesn't change the on-field results, obviously. but. It does make me feel a little bit better. I don't feel great, but it makes me feel a little bit better that, yeah, there are guys, you know, the guys that I like the most, they still do care as much as I do, as much as we do, all of you do, right? Because if I saw some things that it was like, yeah, probably doesn't care as much as we do, probably wouldn't be my favorite player, probably wouldn't be one of my favorite players. That's just the way it is. Like I want someone that is as invested in this team as I am, as we are. That's who I want. Maybe not the biggest name. I'm not someone that is, you know, my favorite player has always been the biggest name out there on the Padres. Right. But I want someone to care. And Crony does. And Manny does. If you look at the quotes, some things I don't like that he's done or not done. Right. We went over that, but, um, they do care, like these guys that we're mentioning here: Musgrove, Xander, Manny, Crony. They do care. I think Tatis cares. I think Soto does care, but I'd put him at the. I'd probably put them at the bottom of that list, just from what I've seen. Not I've seen nothing personal against him or personal interactions with him, except at FanFest taking a picture. But um, out of like Musgrove, Manny. Crony, Tatis, Bogarts, Soto. I'd probably put Soto at the bottom. Some things I haven't been the biggest fan of. You know, feels like he's a little bit lackadaisical in left field. There's some guys on this team that I can point to that. Like, yeah, maybe they don't care as much about the Padres winning as we do or as some other guys on this team do. But you're not going to have everyone caring as much as the guy that cares the most, right? And Crony's up there as guys that care the most. Um so yeah he, he has been probably too hard on himself. Um but I think Bogart said something similar to that during the national series like the whole come on it's a nationals speech that he had. He was saying how is it is it bad to to be to care too much or is it bad to to want to do good too much? I don't think so. I want the guys caring. Now, pressing in baseball, maybe it's not the best thing, but again, I'd rather have them care too much than them not care enough, right? So those are the comments there from Manny and from Crony. Anything else I wanted to get to? Obviously, I want to get to deadline sell. Should they sell? Should they buy? And we can talk, There's, there's still a month to go, and maybe my thoughts will change on that at some point. Um, if if the team starts playing much better baseball, but I'm just not seeing it right now. I do see some super chats. JD's third. There you go. Thank you so much, man. says, thank you for your service, Ben. Uh, Angel says, Ben, you're a gangster. Keep your passionate approach. Thank you. Uh, Look, again, hopefully you accept my apology, JD's third. If you thought that I was attacking you or anything like that, or anyone thinks that I've called them a name or anything like that, That's not what I mean. I never mean to personally attack anyone. Sometimes I disagree passionately with someone's take. And so I might say that take I think is idiotic or that take, that opinion is stupid, like I did say. And, you know, I admit right now I'm wrong about that for, you know, the team as a whole. They got to prove me wrong. They got to prove us wrong on that. Um, Sometimes I'm wrong. Sometimes, you know, I don't like people's opinions, but that's okay. That's what makes this part of why this makes us fun, right? Is the back and forth. Like, I'd love to have fans come on this show. Like, I I have that link pinned up at the top of the chat for pretty much every show. Uh, I try to remember to put that link in there to have fans give them a platform to come vent if they want to, or ask questions or debate. Like, I love that about Padres fans and just sports in general because we're all passionate about it and sometimes we're not going to agree on everything. It's okay. Um, now getting to the sell or buy, like, should the Padres be sellers or should they be buyers at the deadline right now, based on the way the team is playing, why should they be buyers? They should be sellers. I don't want to be saying this right now. Obviously I wish that it's like, yeah, as we thought going into the year, this team of course is going to be a buyer. They're 20 games over 500. Why would they be a seller? That's not where we're at right now, though. They're far away from a postseason spot. They've lost five in a row. They're now seven games. I thought it was six. My bad. Seven games under 500. They're not playing good baseball. They're not a good baseball team right now. And so when you have Josh Hader on an expiring contract, you have Blake Snell on an expiring contract, What's the point in keeping them if you're not going to go win a World Series this year? It doesn't look like they're going to go win a World Series this year, so you're just going to get nothing for them when they leave in free agency. Are the Padres going to go spend big on Blake Snell in free agency when they've already spent they've already spent it big on some relievers? They've spent it big on some starters in this rotation. Darvish, Musgrove locked down to big contracts. They've already spent big on Manny Machado, Xander Bogarts, Fernando Tatis Jr. Jake Cronenworth, right? Like, They're going to spend big on those guys? They're going to spend big on Josh Hader, a guy that they don't use? A guy that doesn't pitch more than an inning? No, they're not. So, yeah, sell them. Go get something. Like, this year, it's a lost year. If they continue playing like this and it's August 1st, it's a lost year. Try to improve for 2024. I'm not saying you rebuild the whole thing. They can't. They have a bunch of long-term contracts already. The core is locked in. They can't fully rebuild. But retool. Try to improve your chances at 2024. Do you want to trade Juan Soto? If you don't want to, I understand that because you want to get as many years as you can out of them. But don't punt it on 2024 if you're not trading for Juan Soto. Try to get something back that can help you for 2024, a major league piece. Or if you can't get that, get some prospects that can come up in the next couple years. get a top get a couple top 20 prospects from a team for Blake Snell or for Josh Hader. that's what makes sense more. if you're not going to win this year, then you got to look out for your future. i'm not saying 2028. i'm saying 2024. cuz i still want to win. yeah, and if they turn it around then i'll probably switch my viewpoint to yeah, they should probably go by. they they've proved that they can start playing better baseball, but they haven't proved, they, they have not proven that. So there's some potential contracts that could be sold. Josh Hader or traded Josh Hader free agent at the end of the year, Blake Snell free agent at the end of the year, Juan Soto free agent in 2025. So after the 2024 season, I don't think the Padres are going to trade Juan Soto, but they could say it's not looking good this year. He's he probably won't sign back in free agency. If they have a pulse on that, I don't know. But let's say that they don't think that they'll sign him in free agency or or they don't think he's going to sign an extension. And they're like, we can go sign him in free agency if we want to. Let's get something back. Because if we trade Soto, we're still going to have a good team for 2024. If they do some things right in the offseason at the deadline, they can still have a contending team for 2024. They're not totally punting if they get a good outfielder at the end of this season in free agency or something, or at the deadline, a controllable outfielder or something, and they want to deal Soto. They can make that argument. Do you do that? I wouldn't do that right now, but that's probably something that's being tossed around the front office, I would think. uh, Luis Garcia, free agent at the end of the year. Trade him. If you can get something, I know it's low, the stock's low right now, but if he has a good couple weeks here, get something for him. If things aren't working out, it's clear you're not going to be a World Series team. Get something for him. Ha-Sung Kim, he has a mutual option for 2025. And maybe the Padres decide to give this guy an extension. But Crony, he is not a guy that's going to get traded. And Crony, we know that his value is higher at second base. Ha-Sung Kim, he's one of the better players on the team. But the Padres, they do have to, like, if this year is a lost cause, next year, Crony's on the team. Go get a better first baseman for next season. I'm not talking about like defensively. I'm talking about a guy that's going to provide more offensive production, better offensive production for what the first base position should be. If that if that's what AJ thinks makes the most sense, then make the hard decision to trade ha Kim. Like you got to look forward to 2024 if this season isn't going to work out. The worst thing AJ can do is sit there and be like, Yeah, this team under 500, but I still believe in the team. I still believe in the roster. And I'm trying to save my freaking job because I know I'm probably going to get canned. Well, we don't know because Seidler is loyal to AJ. But if I was Seidler, I'd have to make the difficult decision to fire AJ if this team doesn't make the postseason. With these expectations, you miss the postseason, you've been here forever, and you have nothing to show for it, except an NLCS appearance, which was great, but that was one year. The other postseason year, it was a short year, you know, 2021 had a collapse, like don't, you don't have a great major league success track record if you're AJ Preller. So yeah, Seidler, like don't allow AJ to go buy a bunch of pieces and don't let AJ convince you that This team's going to go win the World Series if it's clear to you that they're not going to. It pains me to say this about 2023, but it might be a lost cause. So go put your focus towards 2024. And so it doesn't make sense to have Snell and Hayter on this team after the deadline if they keep playing like this. It does not. you got to get something back for them if you want to improve your chances of winning, 2024 and beyond. That's just my opinion. But, and with Hassan Kim, I don't know if I would, if I would trade him, maybe the Padres are like, no, we'll, we'll find the power in the outfield. We'll have Grish go. We'll put him on the bench. We'll have Tatis move to center. We'll get the power out of right field. We'll find that there. We'll find the power in the DH upgrade. And we'll keep Hassan Kim because he's a valuable piece of the team. He's one of the best defenders in the league. He's getting better offensively. He's been one of the best players on the Padres. So I'm, I'm not. I don't want to sit. I want to be clear. I don't want to sit here and say, "Yeah, go trade Hassan Kim. You have to trade Hassan Kim." I'm not saying that he's under control for next year. I'm just saying if it makes sense, if the Padres deem that, yeah, we're we can get a good package for Hassan Kim. cronies here long term. We know he's good at second base and we can get a better offensive player in here at first base that will help the team more than you think having Crony at first and having Kim at second base will next year. If it makes sense, you get the good return, then do the deal. Only under those circumstances, though. With Snell and Hader, I think you still deal them. Like that, You will get a decent deal back for Hader for one year. A team will do that. A team will do that for Snell. Even if it's just one year, you know, might try to extend him, but I, I just don't see snow and hater coming back. And if this year's a lost cause, then deal them. Am I wrong on that? that? That's how I feel right now. I think the Padres should be sellers at the deadline based on the way the team is playing. uh jd's third says we have our own bet Ben. what is that i forgot about that bet bq sport says preller has to go that's after yeah if he if they don't make the postseason then i'd be on that boat yeah preller has to go and i've been a preller supporter but you know at the end of the day when you have the, these high expectations and this is what happens Sorry, results speak louder than, than Preller's words, you know. It's about the wins and the losses. Uh, Devin says, Xander is easily the most disappointing signing at the moment, maybe more disappointing than Hosmer. Xander has hit more double plays and has a chronic wrist problem. Okay, well, I wouldn't say easily the most disappointing signing. Like, it's been underwhelming. He would say that he's not playing up to the level that he wants to be playing at. But at the same time, I don't think we can say that when Eric Hosmer has already played his Padres' tenure and it resulted in nothing. When they traded him, the Padres went to the NLCS. You know, I don't think we can say that when that has happened and Xander is less than a full season into this long contract. I think it's too early to say that with Xander. I do. So I disagree with that. Are you talking about the most disappointing signing of the offseason? I I think you could say, you know, Xander still has time on the contract. I would say it's probably, I'd go with like Matt Carpenter, to be honest. That's been disappointing. Because what is he doing? The guy's hitting what, under 200. And the Padres decided to pay him over Brandon Drury, right? Him and Cruz over Brandon Drury. Um, You know, Bogarts, I'm still waiting on that. Matt says Lugo should have gone to the bullpen. They have no use for him as a starter when they have to limit his innings. But are they limiting his innings right now? Because he did go on the IL. So I don't know how much they're limiting his innings. Like, he had that time off there. Those innings were limited while he was on the IL, right? And he's been good in the rotation. Like, And Nick, for the most part, he was good in the bullpen. I know he struggled as of late, but the bullpen, recently it's not been great. But the bullpen wasn't the problem for most of the year. The rotation has not been the problem. a lot of it's on the offense. I was fine with them having Lugo stay in the rotation and Nick go to the bullpen. Did you want so you'd rather have Nick in the rotation over Lugo? I don't know. I think their 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 decision to have Lugo in the rotation, it's worked out okay so far. All right, just going through the chat here. Tyler asks, is this Melvin's fault? I think some of it is. Like, he's made some bad decisions. But I think most of it has to be, if you're going to blame someone that's not on the field, it would have to be A.J. Preller, right? With the roster construction. Um, Everyone has some blame. But most of the blame, it's on the players. Like, going into the year, there were a lot of baseball experts that were calling the Padres the 2023 NL champs. They were predicting that. Or they were predicting them to go win the... Whole thing, and guess who constructed that roster? AJ. So a lot of people liked it at the beginning. So it's easy to sit in hindsight and be like, "Yeah, this roster is not good." But a lot of people would love to have, a lot of people would have loved to start the season with that big four to have Jake Cronenworth as well to have that rotation, have the bullpen. They would have loved to have that roster. So I think more of it's on the players than Preller, but there's definitely blame on Preller. I think there's less blame on Melvin than there is on AJ and the players. Matt says I'll donate the fifty he owes me. I don't owe it to you yet. They could if they go over five hundred once, I win. And I don't. I'll I'll scroll down for JD's third. Let me know what that bet was if if you didn't let me know already. I'm behind on the chat, so I'll I'll get there eventually. Yeah, I'm sure Matt Manny is allowing people on the bandwagon. Remember that comment earlier, everyone earlier in the season, where he was like, Don't jump on that bandwagon. When we start effing raking and doing what we're supposed to be doing. Well, right now, Padres aren't raking and doing what they're supposed to be doing. Well, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing if they want to be golfing uh, at the end of the year, you know, and watch the playoffs from their couch. But yeah, I, th- I think he would love to welcome people on the bandwagon. I think there's not. I think the bandwagon's pretty empty as of now, to be honest. Oh, look who it is. Matt is in here. What's up, man?
1: Hey, buddy. You there? Yep. Yeah, I, just, I just wanted to clarify my Lugo take. The last time I called, I don't know, it was probably four, four or five weeks ago, I said he should have been moved to the pen because they had all those off days coming up, and they didn't need him on the off days, and he ended up getting hurt, you know, I mean, I don't know how hurt he was, but just like Waka's last start with the shoulder fatigue, that's not Waka doesn't have an injury. They're just limiting his innings because he's never gone over 130 since whatever like 2017 or 2019. But I said I said Lugo should have gone to the the pen a while ago because they you know they, they didn't need the fifth starter. They had so many off days after the initial stretch. Mm. And then just like you said in this in this series. Why in the hell's Blake Snell get pushed back from four to five days? You don't need that fifth starter. So, if you don't need that fifth starter, what did you need in this Pirate series? We needed somebody in the pen that could get, get to Hater because we never saw Hater. How many games did they, I mean, today would have been a perfect example where if you had Lugo in the pen, you probably could have gotten to Hader and you probably could have won this game. That's all I was saying. I mean, I just I don't, they don't think. It's, it's like you said. What are they waiting on? They're managing this team like, oh, we're already in the playoffs and we're just putting everybody in bubble wrap. And meanwhile, Hater hasn't pitched. I don't remember the last time I've even seen him. And then he can't come in with runners on. He can't get. And I like Hater. He can't come in with runners on. He he can't do good more than an inning. Like you said, sometimes the save is in the seventh inning. So close it out. And then you know, if you get to the eighth and somebody else blows it, well, it can't even. We're not even seeing him anyway. And you're paying him, I don't know, what, $15 million this year? I mean, yeah, it just doesn't make any sense to me when you have all those off days. Like you said, I think you said the other day on one of your pregame thoughts, Melvin was managing to – like he was really going to manage to win that game because of the, the way the bullpen was set up. And then he still had Tim Hill throw like 31 pitches that game. Like it was crazy to me that he – I mean, I'm not even a fire by Bob Melvin guy. It's just I, – I think they, they just – it's like they've just assumed that they're going to make the playoffs. That's the whole ju-
0: team's appro- – that's what the whole team's approach has been. Like, I think Manny even has admitted it, like – and Musgrove too earlier in the year. Like, yeah, we thought maybe things – we were probably too relaxed about things. We thought maybe things were going to turn around, and they just haven't, so we need more urgency. And it's like Bob Melvin's doing that too, or AJ Preller, or whoever's telling them to do these things, they're doing that too. It's like, we're 81 games into the season here. And no, they're not comfortably in a playoff spot. I get if at the beginning of the year, they're like, yeah, we're going to rest guys because you think you're going to be a postseason team. But the standings are the standings. Like they're they're showing you, you're not a postseason team. You have to start playing with more urgency. You have to start managing with more urgency. And sometimes I'm not seeing that from him. Got me, Matt. I think we lost him. Yeah. All right. Yeah. It's some of these decisions. Yeah. It's a little mind boggling to be honest. Tyler says, what about one solid hitting coach, one voice for them all, not six separate voices telling different players various approaches? I don't know if it's – look, I'm obviously not in there. I don't know if there's six separate – I don't know if there's six voices telling them all different approaches. I think the approach – maybe there's a team approach, but I think that a lot of the approaches are individualized because the hitters are different. Some hitters do better against fastball. Some hitters do better against a breaking pitch, right? Or some hit better inside, some hit better outside. And so maybe the individual approach is for someone, hey, hit it the opposite way, attack that opposite field pitch. For some, maybe it's like, hey, hunt that inside pitch or whatever, you know. But and you also you can't just have one hitting coach nowadays, I don't think, because of how much information you need to give to players. Having just one guy do it, I don't know if that's enough. I don't. I don't think there's one hitting coach on any team in baseball. There might be one hitting coach title on a team, but I don't think there's just one hitting coach. And you know, one—it's not even for the Padres. There's not one pitching coach. I know some people think that with Rumeni but Ben Fritz is in the bullpen. He's working with guys. There's multiple guys on a lot of different things. That's just what it is nowadays. Uh, Does Trent Grisham care? I mean, I would not put him on the – I think he does care, but I wouldn't put him on the same level as someone like Crony or Musgrove, where you can tell, like, yeah, they really care about this, you know? Uh, Bogarts, right? I wouldn't put him on that level. Um, I'd probably put him more like Soto. Maybe it's because I know he makes everything look easy, right? But, yeah, I could see how he comes off as not really caring as much. As we do, but again, I'm, I'm not in the clubhouse. So I don't want to totally say that, that they don't care. Um, let's see here. Tupac 13 says we suck. No excuses. Yeah, that's pretty much what it is right now. And I don't think there are excuses being thrown out there for this team. Uh, you listen to Musgrove, Manny taking accountability, Crony, Bogarts. There, there's not a. Maybe some are. You know, they they they're at a loss for words, but they're not making excuses. Uh, they they're saying we need to be better. Need more urgency. But, yeah, no excuses. They're they're not a good baseball team right now. I agree with Mike here. AJ will not be fired during the season. Yeah, I want to address that because I do see some people, some Padres fans continuing to say, whether that's on YouTube or whether that's on social media, they're continuing to say, yeah, Fire AJ, fire Bomo. Let's get this straight. Those two, they're not going anywhere this year. It wouldn't make sense to fire AJ Preller before the draft. That's his specialty. And why would you fire AJ before the deadline? It's not like they're just going to bring in a new GM. Those guys are in the middle of their seasons. They're not totally in tune with the Padres farm system and which prospects are okay to trade and not, and not trade. And, the direction of the franchise, and major league players, they don't have a great feel on that. So, no, A.J.'s not going anywhere. And Bob Melvin firing him during the season? Like, there's been reports already about players would be really pissed off if that happened, if they fired Bomell, because they know it's on them. It's not on Bob Melvin. Do you imagine what Manny's reaction or some other guy's reaction would be if someday, one day they walk into the clubhouse and Bomell's walking out of it with this stuff? Because he just got fired. They're going to be like, are you kidding me? It's not on him. And if Bomo gets fired, if it's for like managerial decisions or whatever, who's going to step in? You want Mike Schilt managing the team? You want Ryan Flaherty or Ryan Christensen managing this team? You know, who's managing this team? They would be definitely better than Bob Melvin. The coaching staff is literally talking with Bob Melvin, helping him make decisions and helping him planned pregame it's not just only Bob Melvin so like that's not going to do anything so they're not going anywhere this season and I think if it's one guy to be fired at the end of the year it would probably be AJ over Bob Melvin Bochi's not available who are you going to bring in over Bob Melvin All right, I want to get to some San Diego sports stuff here and then I'll get back to the chat. If you have any more comments, any more questions, I'll get to those. I want to start off with San Diego State because this is an interesting week for San Diego State. Tomorrow, on Friday, at I believe 11 p.m., that is the deadline for San Diego State to tell the Pac 12 or tell, I believe, the Mountain West if they are leaving the conference or not. But what's weird here is the Mountain West already believes San Diego State is leaving the conference because the president of San Diego State wrote a letter intending saying that they're intending to leave the conference. Now, the president of San Diego State is not they they replied to the Mountain West commissioner saying that no, this is not our official letter saying we are leaving. It's that we intend to leave and they were they were asking for extensions, right? The one month extension to make a decision. Make the payment, not all at once, stuff like that. And the Mountain West obviously denied it. They're not going to make exceptions, special exceptions. And why would they, right? So I don't even know. Like Mark Ziegler wrote this about, uh, wrote about this in the San Diego Union Tribune. Had the Mountain West already kicked out San Diego State if San Diego State does nothing by Friday at I think 11 p.m. They do nothing. They don't announce that they're leaving officially. They don't announce. That they're going to the Pac-12, that no media rights deal is done or whatever, and what's going to happen then if they do nothing? Does the does the Mountain West say give us seventeen million dollars right now because you said you left, or does San Diego State say we didn't say we officially left, you didn't give us the extension, we didn't make a decision, we didn't tell you that we left? So actually, I guess our decision is no, we're staying. We didn't say t- we didn't say that we're going to leave to the Pac-12. We're staying. We didn't give you an official letter that we are leaving. It was just saying that we intend to leave. You didn't give us the extension. We are not. We didn't announce anything. We're staying. And what does the Mountain West do to that? Like San Diego State, they could look okay in the public eye with this. Either way, if it's past June 30th and nothing happens, San Diego State could one say, like I just said, yeah, we're not leaving. No Pac-12 deal came. We didn't officially say we're gone. Or if they get a deal, we could say we're paying $17 million to you, the Mountain West, if they leave after June 30th, because you interpreted our letter as, yeah, we're leaving. So they could go both ways with that. Like you interpreted as we're leaving. So we owe you only 17, not 34 mil. Or we're not leaving because we didn't officially say we were going to leave. So I'm really interested in seeing how that plays out. But yeah, tomorrow is the deadline. Haven't heard anything on the Pac-12 front about a media deal happening. I think the latest, I saw Mark Ziegler mentioned something about July, and that's not before the deadline, obviously. So I'm interested in seeing what happens. It feels like maybe San Diego State is just not even going to do anything, and they're just going to go that route that I just spoke of. like Try to make it in their favor either way, whatever happens. And I guess let lawyers handle it or whatever. We'll see what happens there. Uh, So, yeah, June 30th, the deadline. And then Adam Seiko, he signed with the Golden State Warriors Summer League team, a summer league contract. So that's good for him. Men's obviously signing with the Charlotte Hornets there. I believe it's a non-guaranteed deal for him. And Seiko, winning his player in San Diego State basketball history, obviously, was there for longer periods of time some other player than some other players thanks to the covid year but still impressive he's a good shooter and we know that fits in golden state's system or you know some players that they have obviously you think of golden state you think of shooting so we'll see we'll see what happens obviously it's not a guarantee that he makes a roster or anything like that but it'll be cool to see him you know compete for a spot or everyone, someone's watching in those summer league games. So even if he doesn't make it with the Warriors, maybe he makes it somewhere else. So that's a cool opportunity there for him. Now getting to the San Diego Wave yesterday in their Challenge Cup match against Angel City, they fell two to one. They got down quick, two nil. Uh, Hammond had a two-minute header off of a corner. Uh, There was another goal, Le'Veon, in the 18th minute. That was kind of like a miscommunication a little bit from the wave. Yanez, who's now the starting keeper because Kaylin Sheridan is on international duties with Canada. Yanez went out. It was a crosser, went out, maybe thought she was going to get to it. Didn't. That left the the net pretty open. Across her back to kind of the middle of the field uh, in the box. And the defenders were kind of lost. You know, it, it's that's that's going to happen. I think that was expected. You know, San Diego Waves defense did not look as crisp as it did when Real Westfall, and Naomi Germa were playing. Westfall played a little bit yesterday, but she didn't start. Uh, I don't believe Real started. Yeah, Jane Shaw did not start. Real did not start. Westfall, Colaprico did not start. Doherty Howard did not start. And then they obviously did not have Naomi Gurma, did not have Alex Morgan, Kaylin Sheridan, Sophia Jakobsen, Emily Van Eggman, and Kristen McNabb was also, uh, I believe, hurt. So they were without a lot of key players, and, and some players, some of their key players, did not start the match. Now, it's Challenge Cup. it's It doesn't mean everything because you know, it doesn't count towards regular season standings, so that's the good news. Their next regular season match is on Saturday against Chicago. Uh, but as Casey Stoney talked about, in the post-game presser, like there's things to work on. The set pieces off of corner kicks, leaving the back post open still. They, they do need to work on that. Uh, that's one thing that she mentioned. Um, it was cool to see Danny Colaprico get her first wave uh, goal in what minute was that? 63rd minute off of a corner rebound. Um, but you get down to no like that early, within the first 20 minutes of the match. It's probably going to, that had to be a gut punch, you know, probably feel hard to come back from that. And so the wave feels like it's been forever since they've won. And hopefully they can win on Saturday. If they can't win on Saturday, that'll be disappointing. I think they will. I believe in this team more time together, you know, and I'm talking about some of the lesser players, um, some of, maybe not lesser, I shouldn't say lesser players, some of the, or, the usual game changers or some of the players that are just on the bench, they're going to get more playing time, more opportunities. So once they get more time with each other, I think that's when the wave can start to to thrive more. So I still, I believe in this team. I believe in the depth. I'm not worried. Um, I think they'll, they're turning around. Now I was wrong about the Padres, at least for now, but I think I'll be right about the wave. Um, it was good to see Mel Barcenas, Melanie Barcenas, the 15 year old, get her first start, and she did have some cramps, but she she hung in there. Um, so the wave again at Chicago, their next match. Chicago is three; they have three wins this year, nine losses, one draw. They're without Malley Swanson, obviously. They would have been without her anyway because of her going to the U.S. Women's National Team, but they're they're without her. They're without Alyssa Nair, who's obviously with the U.S. Women's National Team preparing for the Women's World Cup. So the wave, they should have the advantage here. And I would expect them to get back in that winning column this weekend. All right. Anything else here from the chat getting to, I believe the Loyal play this weekend as well. Who do they play this weekend? Indy. They play Indy. Okay. In Indy, 4 30 on Saturday. All right. Getting back to the chat here. Any more comments? I agree, Brisk. These games are hard to watch for the Padres. Yeah. And they're not really like this super fun team to watch right now. Obviously, they're losing, but I don't know. I'm a Padres fan, so I'm like, yay, at least there's a game today because it sucks when there's not a game. Even when the team's playing bad, you can still look forward to a game because it's just part of you, you know, for a lot of the year. But, yeah, it. I, I I agree. Some of the games are hard to watch. Mike says, when the season finally ends and some players had on head on to other teams. I think only then will we hear what was wrong in the clubhouse and in the organization. Yeah. Or if they're fully collapsing and it's like true, like maybe when they get eliminated from playoff contention or something, or they're very close to it, maybe a new athletic article will come out about AJ Preller or something. You know, it came out in 2021, I think about the clubhouse and Preller Micromanaging the whole athletic stuff. I think, you know, Saris was writing in that. I think Dennis, I think Ken Rosenthal, that came out. Maybe another one comes out if things really continue to go in the wrong direction. Cause I could, I could see that. I could see that. And then, yeah, if they miss the postseason and a piece like that comes out, you know, Sidler's obviously going to read it. And yeah, it, it could get ugly. It definitely could get ugly. All right. A lot that was discussed here, hour and a half, with the best fans in the world. Thank you so much, everyone, for the time. Episode 420 uh, the Talking Friars podcast, Padres Pirates reaction. We've got the Reds coming up. Might do a show tomorrow. Got the Reds coming up for three games. I'll talk to you all later. Hopefully things get better. <laughs>